May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Three days to go. There is no denying that this time of year can be a very stressful time. There is a constant pressure in society that it should be a time of great celebration, with families gathered together over great Christmas dinners, with Slade blaring out, and huge piles of presents. I'm sure that for many of us, that is not exactly accurate. We all live real lives in the real world, and the fact is that things don't always work out perfectly. Budgets are tight, and no matter how much we plan and organise, things can go wrong. The perfect Christmas we hope for doesn't always come off. Maybe you forget the stuffing. Relatives argue and fall out. The dog eats the quality street and has to be rushed to the vet. Or maybe you or loved ones have to work. Maybe someone isn't well and has to go to hospital. Maybe you're facing a Christmas grieving the loss of a loved one. Whatever Christmas looks like for you this year, it's a reality that Christmas seems to demand so much from us. It demands cheer, demands happiness, perfection. And yet life is not perfect. Life is messy. Darkness remains in the world and it won't magically disappear for the Christmas season. We're reminded in this morning's Gospel passage that the very first Christmas was anything but perfect. In Matthew's Gospel we find the story from Joseph's point of view. By this point in the story Mary has been visited by the angel Gabriel and given that incredible news that she will conceive and bear a son whom will be named Jesus and he will be the son of God. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph who, when he heard the news, as we heard in this gospel passage, planned to break off their engagement quietly so as to avoid shaming Mary, whom he presumed had been unfaithful to him. But just, we need to take just a moment here to understand the culture and custom of the time in which all this took place. An engagement at this time was a legally binding contract as good as a marriage in today's terms. Such a contract was often made a year or so ahead of the actual wedding celebration. And although the couple would not live together until the actual wedding, the engagement would need a formal and legal divorce in order to terminate it. In addition, by Jewish law, Mary could be stoned to death for her apparent unfaithfulness to her betrothed. And so, in deciding to break up with her quietly, Joseph was in fact being a very righteous man, by avoiding not only Mary's public humiliation, but also the risk to her life. It's easy for us to, to forget in the blissful picture that we paint in nativity and crib services, all that would have gone on in the background between Mary and Joseph. They were real people living in this messy world and they would have had to contend not only with the stress and strain on their own relationship but also the judgment from gossiping neighbours. 
and we, we know that the difficulties continued with Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem and lack of suitable accommodation. No room at the inn we hear every year in our crib service. But consider what that meant for Mary and Joseph. Not only must Mary birth her first child away from her mother and other women who would have supported her through this, but she must also do it in a dirty stable surrounded by smelly animals. This, I'm sure, would not have been what Mary had hoped for and expected for the birth of God's own son. This was then followed, of course, by the command from the jealous King Herod to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem, resulting in the Holy Family becoming refugees as they fled to escape this cruel leader. Hardly a perfect and peaceful first Christmas. The darkness continued in this world into which God came. As the prophet Isaiah foretold, the light shines in the darkness. There's no indication that the darkness is going anywhere. The light shines, but still there are areas of darkness. And so it continues today, as we hear on the news just this week, of the raging bushfires and soaring temperatures in Australia, of violations of human rights, of injustice, of violence in our communities, of racism, the darkness is not going away. And no doubt each of us faces darkness in our own lives, suffering, hardship, pain. The season of Advent is a time for looking into the darkness, a time to acknowledge it. Advent is a time to slow down, to repent, to seek God's light. And it clashes sharply with the commercialism that we get bombarded with at this time of year, as cheesy songs and bright lights demand our cheerfulness. It's important we take this time to look into the darkness, to acknowledge its reality. And as we turn to the story of that first Christmas, to acknowledge the darkness within that as well. The darkness of judgment, shame, fear, mistrust, as Mary and Joseph faced the world, the darkness of Herod's wrath and jealousy, and simply the messiness of Jesus' birth and the circumstances surrounding it. I was reading just this morning of a new Banksy that has appeared at a hotel in Bethlehem. It's a modified nativity scene which features the illegal Israeli separation barrier as a backdrop to the Holy Family. And the star over the stable is made by what looks like a bullet hole. It has been dubbed the Scar of Bethlehem. And it's a frank reminder of the darkness into which the Christ child came. Yes, the fighting forces in that part of the world have changed, but 2,000 years ago, as today, there was conflict, and violence and injustice, and many suffered as a result. The season of Advent prepares us for Christmas, for welcoming that light into the dark world. But first we need to look into the darkness and acknowledge its reality. And yet, within this darkness, 
we are reminded of those words which Matthew recalled from Isaiah. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This phrase tells us that the incarnation is not about Jesus taking away the darkness or tidying up the mess, but rather coming into it to live with us, alongside us. Let's just take a moment to reflect on those words. God is with us. God is with us, not me. Here God comes for everyone. And God isn't restricted to being with just one person. God comes for all. It links to Jesus' promise at the end of Matthew to be with us until the end of time. God is with us, not for us. Contrary to the language we hear sometimes from Christians, this is not about our own small-minded understanding of a God who fixes what we want fixed. This is about God dwelling with us. Emmanuel, God is with us, reminds us that God comes into the darkness, into the mess, and brings light and hope, but perhaps before there was none. So as we approach Christmas, I encourage you not to look for the perfect Christmas, not to worry if things go wrong, if it doesn't look like the Christmas you see on television. Because we are promised that as God comes into the darkness and the messiness of our lives, he doesn't fix everything, but God is with us. God is with us in our good times and our bad. God is with us in the trauma. God is with us in our struggles. God is with us when we want it to be perfect, but it's not. God be with us this Christmas time, even if we burn the Christmas dinner. Amen.